Welcome to Medical Minefield, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman, health editor at The Mail on Sunday, and with me is The Mail on Sunday's deputy health editor, the peerless Eve Simmons. Hello. Eve, tell me about your new car. My new car? Oh, it's fantastic. It's fully electric. I charged it myself the other night. It was great. Just left it there, plugged in, went to bed, came back, fully charged. 165 miles. Off I go. What kind of car? Cost me £12.19. Um, it's an M. Oh, I'm going to get all of my letters mixed up. It's, it's an a M- white one. It's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> yeah. uh, it looks like I have five children and I live in um, Essex because it's bright white and it's a um, four wheel drive. But anyway. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, exactly. I wish. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's great. I love it. But I remember years back when you went on a job overseas, you were a bit in, worried about driving, weren't you? Yeah. But you've yeah. got into it now. Yes. I think it's because I was alone and I hadn't driven alone overseas. I usually have my um, <clears throat> nice helper sitting in the seat next to me who who does all the directing. And if I get confused about something, is very helpful. And I was just a bit nervous about driving a car that I didn't know okay. in the middle of nowhere trying to get in the middle of nowhere um that's but now but now I've driven um in the states many times and now I'm, I'm very confident I've been thinking a lot about driving this week and that's what the theme of the show is our writer Bonnie Estridge who does the a word column all about her life living with Alzheimer's has just told me that she has given up her driving license finally last year she wrote about how the DVLA was currently assessing her or was back then assessing her. And she didn't believe that she was in any way impaired, that she felt she was fine to drive. I've known Bonnie for many years and we've all been a bit concerned. And and some readers, in fact, wrote in when they read her column and said that they were worried about her too. Mm. The long and short of it is there was no great accident But uh, something that happened a few years back when she went to the dentist, she drove herself to the dentist and completely lost her way and didn't know where she was. That basically happened again. So thankfully, the whole thing's been knocked on the head. We don't have to wrestle her license off her. But astonishingly, prior to this, the DVLA had said she was fine to drive, um, Mm. which made me think about pieces we've done in the past looking at the holes in this system which is basically that you have to be honest about your driving abilities and it's not that people necessarily lie but I think perhaps we're not the best judges of of whether or not Mm. we're competent to drive you know especially you know we all you know probably know someone a bit older who perhaps is overestimating their abilities completely i mean it's the definition the whole system is a def- the definition of waiting for an accident to happen because often these things are only picked up when some awful story you know somebody has crashed and it's been picked up by the DVLA and they've then sent them on a fitness to drive test or something like that. I mean, in worst case scenarios, it's it's not even that. You know, you hear about these uh, situations where people plough into crowds or into shops or go the wrong way drive down, down the down M1. The, that's the worst story of the, the man that drove the wrong way down the motorway. Horrific. Terrible. But and yeah. Ends in multiple deaths. Exactly. And it's not just, of course, the person behind the wheel that's at risk. It's everybody else on the road. 
Well, look, that's the big question, isn't it? When are we too old to drive? When are we too doddery to drive? Should there be a cut-off point? Uh, should we be made to have tests when we reach a certain age? Is that discrimination? Of course, while the majority of older drivers are going to be experienced and very safe, it only takes a moment for things to go terribly wrong on the roads. I think it's important that we first hear from someone who has experience of just how devastating the impact can be. You've got someone on the line now who can tell us exactly how serious this uh, subject really is. Yes, uh, I'm about to talk to Nigel Lloyd-Jones, who sadly lost his mother, um, who was 86, in 2016, following a devastating accident involving her 82-year-old husband, Nigel's stepfather, who was behind the wheel. Nigel, can you just tell us a little bit about what happened to your mother? Yes, exactly. Um, They were an amazingly charismatic couple, incredibly social and driving was very central to their ability to maintain this incredible social life. But very sadly, it went a step too far in that uh, in December 2016, where my stepfather was, was not well, they'd had a very onerous journey. He was driving a car which he wasn't very comfortable with. It was a modern automatic that he hadn't had really sufficient training on. And very sadly, at the end of a journey from London, uh, they pulled into a car park. There then was a, what is sadly becoming an ever more common pedal confusion situation where he pressed the accelerator when he thought it was the brake and lost control of the car. He, in fact, only suffered cuts and bruises, but my mother, who's on blood thinners, um, died from internal injuries uh, in the early hours of the following morning. Oh gosh, Nigel, it's such an, a terrible, terrible story. And, and did, um, did your stepfather have any previous uh, history of accidents? Well, prior to, in the years prior to the accident, and the thing that we subsequently discovered through all our research was that he was in one of those vulnerable road user groups, older driver road user groups, where driving played a very central part of his life and he struggled to process the fact that his driving abilities were declining. Now, I want to stress here that the majority of older drivers are highly responsible, are aware and do change their driving style and requirements accordingly. But he was in one of those uh, vulnerable groups and he did have a number of, of minor and one quite serious accident in years before, which were, were evidence of declining ability. But at that time, we were not aware of where to get help and advice on how to address this very emotive subject. Absolutely. And the DVLA or a GP or, or any sort of s- someone in, in charge or responsible for his care, nobody sort of picked it up and said perhaps you know he ought to go for some training or something like that um well back in 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 the time that we were kind of looking into this there was a very different scenario particularly from the gp's point of view i mean at that time the advice to optometrists advice to doctors was very different from what it is now i mean now there is very clear advice from their associations about duty of care to report to the DVLA if there are 
any concerns and there's now much better advice um, available um, on this topic. And what do you think should have been in place to have prevented that situation? Um, I think generally regarding road safety, it's a highly fragmented environment for the members of the community trying to get help and advice. You know, you have got to be, you know, a detective to actually find out where do you go and get advice. And certainly at that time, the older drivers forum was only in the fledgling um, state, had only been formed in 2013. It's now active in eight counties. And, and Rob Hurd, the chair, is now extremely active getting this into the sort of national arena. So, you know, I think it is it is really one of the challenges around say, road safety in this country. And what would you advise family members, so like yourself, who, who may find themselves in a similar situation with loved ones, parents, grandparents who are driving and they are worried about how safe they are on the road? What would you like to say to them? Um, I mean, our experience is that older drivers are highly responsible and want to do their bit to keep our roads safe. And they will, they observe a change of, of attitude of family to their driving. Perhaps they're not being asked to be their grandchildren's taxi service anymore. And that sort of signals that maybe it is time for a change and time for that conversation to start. I think the crucial thing is about planning and timing. So think about this in the long term, say you're downsizing, you know, your house to be near your family. You know, what are the transport facilities available to really think that there will come a time in all our lives when we may have to stop driving and therefore to plan for this so it doesn't require a dramatic, stressful transition. And do you think there should be more frequent compulsory tests? Um, it's a very interesting point. I mean, apparently, um, international research doesn't show that any um, more stringent tests are effective. But I certainly feel personally that the current kind of tick box, you know, arrangement in terms of um, when you renew your license, that you confirm you've had an eye test that that should be more robust, that, you know, opticians can simply provide, you know, they already have the connections to the DVLA. They can just provide the information that the night test has been carried out, that the person is fit to drive, because eyesight is the main reason why older drivers retire from driving. So that's one of the most crucial attributes or skills that we need or abilities that we need to be fit to drive. Nigel, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story with us. Thank you very much. Thank you. What an awful thing to have gone through. You know, it's admirable that he's turned this into a campaign to try and make things safer for other people. But really, you know, I don't think we should have to have been through the worst ourselves in order to take this subject really seriously completely and i mean he's so forgiving isn't he of of the majority of of older drivers and and he's kind of giving the benefit of the doubt because of course they are overwhelmingly amongst the safest drivers of course but i can't say that if that had happened to my mother or my grandmother that i would be as um 
uh, you know, open-minded about the situation. And the statistics are, you know, although if you're over 70, you're in the safer category. Once you get over 80, you're something like four times more likely to have a crash than anyone else, I think. So, you know, something, there needs to be a safety net of some kind. I think next, let's speak to Rob Hurd. Rob is a retired policeman and founder of the Older Drivers Forum. They provide specialist training, courses, advice aimed at trying to keep older drivers safer on the roads. Rob, my first question really would be, you know, there comes an age, surely, when someone is just too doddery to drive. Would you agree? I think they come to a time that we all need to retire from driving. It's like anything like, you know, retiring from work, retiring from skiing, all these things. There will be a time that all of us it's actually finding out when is that right time. And that's where we mm. at the Older Drivers Forum can give advice to people about saying, look, you know, some people give up too soon from driving and some people drive far beyond their abilities. And it's finding that mm. right time and getting professional advice to give you that is the way to go forwards. And as a policeman, you've seen the downside, I believe, of people driving far beyond when they should have stopped. Is that right? Could you tell me a bit about that? What sort of inspired you, I suppose, to to do what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, I used to work in the Serious Collision Investigation Unit for Hampshire Police and actually investigated a number of fatal road traffic collisions, unfortunately involving older drivers, sometimes when they were the innocent party and sometimes when, unfortunately, they were beyond their abilities to carry on driving. And in fact, one particular case was what actually sparked me to start the Older Drivers Forum. And really, it was a case where, unfortunately, a gentleman, 89-year-old retired GP, decided to go out to the theatre one evening, a regular trip he used to do, and unfortunately ended up getting on the wrong side of a dual carriageway and driving for a mile down the wrong side of a dual carriageway. And he ended up having a head-on collision with a 27-year-old young lad. And unfortunately, the 27-year-old lost his life because of the collision and the 89-year-old survived. And when we investigated the case, we found that he was in fact blind in one eye and below the legal eyesight limit in the other. And even as a retired GP, he felt he was fit and healthy still to continue driving. And that really highlighted to me the point that there are people out there on our roads who really are no longer safe behind the wheel. And actually, we need to be picking up those people and identifying those and and encouraging them or, if necessary, taking them off the road. But also, one my investigation showed that actually there's a lot of information that was lacking to give people that support. So it was about what can we do to raise awareness to people so they know where to go to get advice. I mean, what often shocks people is that, you know, the current system relies on honesty, that, you know, this guy had done nothing wrong, really, in his own mind. He'd probably filled out the form that the DVLA requires people over 70 to fill out and said, I'm, I can see just fine. You know, I've got no health conditions that might mean I can't drive. Um, so I'm okay to drive. And that's, that's actually all that people currently need to do. Is that right? It is, unfortunately. I mean, at the age of 70. I mean, that's bonkers, um, isn't it? Is when, it is. At the age of 70, when our license comes up for renewal, we'll be contacted about three months beforehand, usually sent a form by the DVLA, which we have to fill in. And as you've said, it's a self-certification form. It basically says, can you read a number plate at 20 metres? Do you feel you're fit and healthy to drive? 
do you have a notifiable medical condition? And it doesn't actually list all those. And actually, there are about 300 notifiable medical conditions when people look into it, which um, you need to tell the DVLA about. And I think there's research has shown that around about 65% of the actual real notifiable medical conditions aren't actually notified to the DVLA. So, yes, I think the system, unfortunately, is somewhat lacking at the moment. And it's something myself and others are working at. We're engaging on a report for the Older Drivers Task Force at the moment, which is due for a new report coming out in September this year. And some of our work is about trying to remind people about regular eyesight tests and looking at compulsory eyesight testing as well, because that is something which is also lacking, is that it's self-certification that you can read a number plate at 20 metres. You say that, you know, this is something that you're working on, but we spoke to you in back in 2018. I, I dug out the old article and that was inspired by an accident that had happened, I think, on the M40 where a couple in their camper van had driven into oncoming traffic by taking the wrong slip road. I mean, you know, this is this is a problem that's been going on and on. When is it going to, you know, when are things going to change, would you say? Yeah, I think what you've got to look at, firstly, I know we're talking about older drivers and I've set up the Older Drivers Forum. Firstly, when we look at the real stats to do with older drivers, they're actually drivers around about 70 are one of the safest drivers on our roads. In fact, as we all know, it's usually young drivers are responsible for the majority of the collisions. The research actually shows as we get a little bit older, we do start to suffer from age-related medical and physical conditions which may affect our ability to drive. And if they're not checked, they can increase our risks. And yes, older drivers, when they are involved in a collision, are much more vulnerable to more serious injuries because of their frailty. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do something about it. So that's where we really all have a responsibility to not become complacent about our abilities, but actually seek help, seek support. So when you come to renew your license, you actually say, you know what, I'm going to go and get an eyesight test done at the optician. I'm going to think about undertaking a driving appraisal because there's plenty of organizations offering those just to brush up on your skills, just to say, you know, get rid of those bad habits that I've had. And that's the responsible thing we should all be doing as we're getting older as a driver. For example, I'm a retired police officer in the police force. I was a class one motorcyclist and a class one car driver, the highest qualification to get for driving. Now, does that mean two years later after my retirement, am I still that? Well, I'm not, because unless I actually have regular checks and regular reviews on my driving, which I had within the police, that would keep me at that skill level. But yes, I would still have some good skills, but they will deteriorate unless I keep those skills and being checked and regularly do. And that's one thing that we're encouraging other people to do is don't become complacent. Brush up on your skills with professional help. But if the problem is that people just don't realise that they're impaired, surely we should be testing people. Yeah, I mean, there's certain countries across Europe and the world who basically have compulsory testing at license renewal why not do and that I, and yeah i mean there are most countries in europe for example have i think we're one of the fifth worst countries in europe for actually eyesight testing and that's not just at older age it's all age i mean and that needs to change at the end of the day you know we have a lot of people out there you need good eyes to be able to see and drive safely on the road and actually driving with you know there's lots of people out there eyes that can deteriorate without us really realising. And it's only when you go and get an eyesight test and get a pres- new prescription that you realise how bad your sight was. So these are one of the things I'm, I'm passionate about trying to get the law changed in that. 
And it is something we are working towards. But as you well know, these things take a long time to get into place. And in the meantime, we all have that responsibility to do something. When it comes down to medical conditions, yes, there are countries which have compulsory medicals. I mean, certainly in the States, you're expected to do a lot more than you are in the UK. And that maybe is something that we should all be considering. But I think at the moment, it's, we're already stretched with the NHS. We're already stretched with the DVLA. And I think trying to complement or put that in place could be difficult. So it's really first sits on the individual to be responsible. And if family and friends are seeing somebody not telling the DVLA or they're concerned about something, that's where the, we should urge them to step in, have that conversation with the person. And if that's not helping, then maybe approach the DVLA or the doctor themselves. Mm, interesting. So report your, you dob in your mum or dad for being a dangerous driver. Well, I think you've got to have that conversation with them first. I think you've got to, if you are concerned about anybody, let's say at any age, if you're concerned about their abilities, because there's some drivers in their 40s who are no longer fit medically or physically to fit to drive, whereas there's drivers in their 90s who are perfectly fit. And I see quite a lot of those who are perfectly fit to carry on driving. So anybody of any age, if you have concern about their ability to drive or physical or mental fitness to drive, maybe they're taking tablets, maybe they're doing something, Firstly, you need to have that conversation with that person. You need to sit down with them, tell them what you're thinking, tell them maybe you've seen some extra scratches on the vehicle, say to them, look, this isn't right. We need to do something. And if you're not going to do something, I'm going to have to step in. So one of the things you could encourage them to do is go and have a, um, an assessment. Now, if it's just to brush up on your driving skills, then like I said, there's many of these confidence building schemes around the country. But if there's something which is a medical problem that you'll feel may be affecting people, then people can send themselves or, or go voluntarily and book a place at a driving mobility centre, which are have the experts with cognitive and driving instructors to assess you to make sure you're fitness for driving. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people are very good at that. And it's something we should all be thinking about. And it shouldn't be something we take for granted. Rob, thanks very much for finding some time to talk to us. Thank you very much for the time. Hi, sorry to interrupt your listening, but there's another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Looking back over that previous article we did on older drivers, mm. I uh, pulled out the line that uh, apparently drivers aged 80 or over are four times as likely to crash than others. I mean, it seems nuts that it's this voluntary situation where if people feel like it, they can uh, you know, tell the, the DVLA perhaps they, they might need some extra help. Or I mean, I don't, it just seems like a very ad hoc system to me. But it's the system not being fit for purpose that's the problem. And of course, people aren't going to volunteer that information, are they? Especially when you just you fill out a form, you want your license, you're not really thinking about it. No one's doing any checkups on you. So why why would you bother? I also sense, you know, some very difficult conversations with what he suggests that people should dob in their their mum or dad if they think they're a danger. Um, you know, that would be a. <laughs> That would uh, create a few uh, ructions, I think. Yeah, not one to have over dinner, really, that conversation, <laughs> is it? But, you know, 
ultimately it only takes even if someone's tootling backwards and forwards to waitrose it only takes that one moment where you're impaired that you have a lapse of judgment that you don't see something you know accidents happen in a second things go wrong so rapidly and and so easily when you're driving and the ramifications can be really serious I thought it was really interesting what Nigel said about driving having played such a central role in his stepfather's life and his his mother's lives that it was it was a big part of their freedom of their identity of their ability to go out and socialize you know I don't think anyone would want to take that away from anyone. Absolutely. And I don't, I think also to be very clear, we're not saying that all older drivers are terrible drivers. And as soon as you turn 70, you're automatically going to be at much higher risk of going and crashing into someone. That's, that's of course not the case. But the point was that once you get into your late 70s, early 80s, you're more likely to have one of these conditions that means that you're perhaps not quite as good as driving as maybe you think you are. You know, eyesight goes, hearing goes. Things like diabetes, I believe, are notifiable, aren't they? Because you have the risk of, if you're on the medication, you have a risk of, uh, you know, having a hypo. So it is now one of the few instances in which a GP or doctor can break confidentiality if they think that a patient who has a notifiable condition is still driving. They are allowed to contact the DVLA Although I'm not sure in reality how often that would actually happen and whether even doctors are aware of the full 300 conditions that they should notify the DVLA about. I think with all of the things that they have to deal with, especially in this post-COVID world, I'm sure that's not not going to be the top of the list. Exactly, exactly. I I do think it's important to sort of be the voice for some of the readers we had who had written in to say, I am in my 80s and I am a perfectly great driver and actually the accidents that I have seen and perhaps even you know been the victim of the person behind the wheel has been in their early 20s and they Mm. were pointing out that actually statistically they're much lower risk than say I mean I think young young men are the highest most well yeah I mean I think once you first passed your test that's they're they're the most dangerous drivers teens who pass their test and uh, you know they have horrific accidents I mean I passed age 17 and was a terrible driver I think so young to be in control of a car doesn't it when you look back absolutely. now absolutely yeah and I, child. I remember I distinctly remember my instructor saying I highly recommend you do pass plus which is the the extra training you're supposed to do yeah. because I passed by all but one minor so um, I think I got 13 minors or something um, and he said I strongly recommend you go and do this course of course I didn't I went out to go pick my friends up we went here there and everywhere and then within a <laughs> I week can't I, believe cr- you got 13 I crashed minors, into a curb Eve. Well, yes. I'm much better. I'm much better driving. Do you know how many I got? Or was it zero? Zero. Oh, shut up. (laughs) Well, look, that's all we've got time for. I shan't be getting in a car anytime soon with Eve Simmons. Um, But you'll find all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday. And visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos opinion pieces and more. You can follow me on Twitter and ask me questions by searching at Barney Kalman. That's B-A-R-N-E-Y-C-A-L-M-A-N. And you can follow me by searching at Eve Simmons without the O. So that's at E-V-E-S-I-M-M-N-S. And you can also follow at Mail Plus. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye.